When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everybody? Thank you for checking out The Incline. I am your host, Kevin Klein. It's Thursday, April 25th. It's also my birthday. But we got some Dodgers baseball to talk about. Your Dodgers, now 15-11 and on the season. That is only good enough to be a half game ahead of two teams. The San Diego Padres. And surprisingly, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Both of them are 14 and 11. We got a game coming up in a few hours. It's game three of the final series between the Los Angeles Dodgers in Wrigley Field against the Chicago Cubs. The biggest question mark going into today's game, will the Dodgers lineup be different? Let's break down that lineup real quick and what was wrong with it. Cody Bellinger, for whatever reason, is batting sixth. Now, can someone explain to me why you would have arguably the hottest hitter in all of baseball batting sixth? This isn't 2018 anymore. None of this platoon nonsense. This is 2019. Cody Bellinger is leading baseball in nearly every offensive category there is, especially in the National League. He's up there in home runs. He's up there in RBIs. He's up there in batting average. He's a 400 hitter right now. He's just a few bases away from breaking Chase Utley's total bases reached record before May 1st. It's either five or six at this point. And he's he's got five games left or something. And yeah, he's hitting a lot of home runs off good pitchers. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yet, 
He continues to bat six, which could be costing him a plate appearance. But what what else matters? Chris Taylor. Why is Chris Taylor in the lineup two days in a row? I want to get to Chris Taylor in a little bit because I have issues with him as well. So let's just cut to the chase. Let's talk about Wednesday's game. It was kind of a marquee matchup. Cole Hamels taking the mound for the Cubs. Versus Walker Bueller. And I'm sorry guys, in the last podcast, I kind of just brushed over Cole Hamels. I should have went a little deeper into Cole Hamels. Because I don't know what I was not thinking at the time. Maybe I was just trying to end that pod a little early. Because I did not give Cole Hamels the respect he deserved. Going into that game, Cole Hamels, one could argue, had the best track record against the Dodgers of all starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. Let me tell you why. He had 63 career innings against LA, and he had an ERA of 1.86. That's right. He had an ERA of 186. And not to mention, he also had an NLCS MVP back in 2008, if you guys remember, pitching one of the most brilliant postseason performances I had ever witnessed, especially at that time. This is before the whole Bumgarner in 14. But anyways... Hamels was 3-0, had a respectable ERA. Apparently, it wasn't enough to intimidate the Dodgers. They were making him work. Hamels threw a lot of walks. He didn't have his control. I believe Hamels actually had six walks or something like that. He gave up a couple hits. It all started in that fourth inning. Corey Seager was in scoring position. Chris Taylor up to bat. Taylor gets like a little nudge single in the infield. He's hustling to first. Rizzo had the ball. Didn't know what to do. He throws it to the pitcher. And Taylor hustles his way into an infield single sliding in. And Seager all the way from second base rounds it to home. He scores. Puts the Dodgers up 1-0. Off a pretty lazy Cubs play, if you ask me. And then we go to the sixth inning. Cody Bellinger up, a man on first. He blasts a two-run home run off Cole Hamels. That was his 12th home run of the season. Puts the Dodgers up 3-0. However, all the feels and good moments weren't going to last much longer. We flip to the bottom of the sixth now. There's two on. There's two out. There's two strikes. And of course, Javier Baez, up to bat, blasts a three-run home run off of Bueller. Ties the game at three. 
This was Javier Baez's second home run of the season. And if you recall from my last pod, I said the player to watch out for was Javier Baez because last season he batted something ridiculous like 538 against the Dodgers, also had two home runs. Well, in two games, he already matched that. He's got two home runs in this series. Dodgers and Cubs still got a few more games to go. They haven't even come to L.A. yet. That inning didn't end like that, though. 3-3, Bueller's coming out. Another time this season where Bueller had a pretty comfortable lead, and he blew it. Let's start keeping track of that, guys. This is now number two, I believe. That one against the Cardinals, now against the Cubs. And Central, this could be a theme. Scott Alexander comes in. There's still two out. Alexander went from being the most trusted guy in the Dodgers bullpen to giving that title away to Dylan Floro. So congrats, Floro. You're now the most trusted guy in that bullpen. Alexander's ERI went from something like .96, maybe it was in the low ones, up to a 3.7 or something. Alexander gives up a three-run home run to Jason Hayward, of all people. Yes, the bust. Jason Hayward, the bust, who got all that money, didn't do nothing for the Cubs, played some good defense, pretty bad hitter. I don't buy the whole hitting 340 nonsense this year. It's just an early hot start. He's going to fizzle out. Another three-run home run. It's now 6-3 Cubs. This is just deja vu for me because I may have said it in a different podcast where Bueller came in for a rehab start against the Cubs. It was a Kershaw start. Dodgers had the lead. Bueller comes in, blows it. Here we are again. It's now 6-3 Cubs. Bueller, his line, goes five and two-thirds innings. Four hits. Gave up the three runs. But the stat that jumps out to me, one strikeout. Another start where Bueller just doesn't generate the Ks. He had a start early on the season. I think it was his first start. He had zero strikeouts. This strike, this start, he had 1K. I know in his last outing, he had 8Ks, but are we starting to see something off with Bueller not getting swingers, getting hitters to swing and miss? This is something I want to start to keep my eye out on because if Bueller doesn't get the Ks, he's not going to be as effective as he was last season. Bueller's season ERA now. At 525, that's really high. And yeah, he had the one spring training start, but that's going to start to get old. This is now his fourth start of the season or something like that. He's had enough time to get into shape. He's got to start contributing. Oh, but that game doesn't start that doesn't stop there. Joe Kelly comes in in what you could kind of consider a mop-up role. There were two outs. Kelly does what Kelly does. He hits a batter. Yeah, he actually hit a batter, and it wasn't a Dodger. He hits Chris Bryant. Bryant's on base now. Anthony Rizzo up to bat. Drives in Bryant. It's now 7-3 Cubs. Below Kelly... 
doing his thing, giving up runs. Before this series started, there were four players I said we had to watch out for. Javier Baez, already explained that. Anthony Rizzo had a big two-run home run yesterday. Gets the RBI today. Yesterday. Ah. Sorry. Take both those. Go one day backwards. Chris Bryant, he had some big hits and actually was going to drive in Descalso if it weren't for that amazing Cody Bellinger throw to tag him out at home plate. And Wilson Contreras. We'll get to that game in a moment. But Contreras had a three-run double to put the Cubs up 3 nothing in that first game of the series. So those four guys. And Dodgers come up to bat. Alex Verdugo is the batter. There's two men on base. Out of nowhere, Alex Verdugo blasts a three-run home run off Steve Ciszek. Trims the Cubs lead. Now it's 7-6. And I'm just thinking to myself, are you kidding me? First of all, that that run that Kelly gives up ends up being the difference. I'm not going to really give too much blame to Kelly because there were obviously six other runs given up. So that falls on Alexander and Bueller. But the other issue to me is why wasn't Verdugo starting the game in the first place? Okay, let me give you some stats right now. Chris Taylor. Yeah, he had the infield... Single. I kind of feel like it was a little bit of luck. Chris Taylor has been trashed this season. First of all, he led all of baseball in strikeouts last year. He's even worse this year. Guys, he only has nine hits on the season. 56 official at-bats. He's batting 161 with one home run. He's got 18 strikeouts. His K percentage is about 28% right now. His on base is 254. And he has an ISO of .089, which is absolutely pathetic. That means he's got little to no power right now. And he's not driving the ball at all. Meanwhile, Alex Verdugo batting 346, 52 at bats, has double the amount of hits as Taylor. He's got 18. And he's also got, looks like he's got three home runs. I thought it was four, but I guess it's three. But, anyways. Alex Verdugo right now has a, oh yeah, it looks like baseball reference isn't updated. He's actually hitting 352, and I think he does have four home runs. Alex Verdugo right now 
has a WOBA over 400. We've talked about Verdugo already. Getting those clutch two-out hits. Building some momentum for the Dodgers. He showed in spring trading he could be cash money driving in runners. It's time to move on from Chris Taylor. One of the jokes I'm putting on Twitter, guys, every time Chris Taylor dr- every time Chris Taylor strikes out, Circle K is going to donate $500 to a charity of your choice. And honestly, at this point, Chris Taylor should donate $500 every time he strikes out because that's going to make that charity a lot of money. It'll go to a good cause. It'll make Taylor feel better about striking out. Strikeout machine Taylor, start donating your money every time you strike out. Come on. So Dodgers lost that game 7-6. We got the first game of the series. Wasn't as exciting. Oh, but I got someone to talk about. Jose Quintana guides those Cubs to an easy 7-2 win. He goes 7 innings. Both Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez hit a home run that game. And Contreras had the big three-run double to clear the bases. There was two out. So Kenta Maeda was the starter in that game. And I am sick of Kenta Maeda being a starting pitcher for this team. Kenta Maeda has a 5 20 ERA right now. He went four innings that game. Immediately put the Dodgers in a 6-0 deficit. And frankly, I think the Dodgers are better off without Maeda completely. Let me tell you why. Last season, as a starter, Maeda... Was 8 and 10. He had a 3.81 ERA after the end of the season. He pitched 125 innings. He was able to lower that ERA because of his bullpen stints. And then a year before, he went in 2017, 13 and 6, 4.22 ERA, 134 innings. However, Maeda is one of the most deceiving starters in all of baseball. I see people trying to make the case that Maeda would be a third or even a number two on most teams. I'm not buying that whatsoever. This guy struggles to get to five innings. And it seems like on a every other week basis, he just doesn't have it and it completely wears down the bullpen. Let me tell you some of his game logs from last year. He went five innings, five innings, four innings, five innings, seven, five. He went eight, five, four, four, five, seven, three, five, three. That's in 2017. Last year was a little worse. In 2018, he went five, 2.2. 5.2, a 1.2, a 5, a 3.2, a 7, a couple 5s in a row, and a 4. 
So there's this consistent trend where it seems like Maeda is struggling just to get to five innings. And then more often than not, the bullpen has to go four innings, which is just too much. Those starts where Maeda's not even going three innings, completely pathetic. And don't even get me started on the whole postseason thing with Maeda because I don't know why people think Maeda is a great reliever because he's not. Last year, he was completely awful against the Brewers and the Red Sox. He had an ERA around 6 against Milwaukee. He had a whip of 1.8. In 2017... He blew past the D-backs and the Cubs. In all honesty, though, neither of those teams really had a fighting chance. Everybody was picking apart those two teams. They weren't that great. But against the Astros in the World Series, completely exposed. Game 5, people are going to throw Kershaw under the bus, which, deservingly so. Gotta remember though, Kershaw was taken out of the game. It was 7 4. There was two out. There was two on. They bring in Maeda to face Altuve, just this one batter. And Maeda immediately, on the fifth or sixth pitch, coughs up a game tying three run home run to Altuve. After that, the bullpen just never recovered in that game. Maeda had one job to do, get that out, and he does the worst thing possible. He gives up a home run. These starts where Maeda, they're just really hard for me to watch. First of all, he's not an exciting pitcher to watch. He's really boring. Every time he gives up a home run, he makes that face where he looks kind of shocked, and then he squeezes his eyes and his cheeks. So it's like, come on, dude. You knew you were going to give that up. You don't throw hard whatsoever. I don't really view him as a good competitor. The only reason the Dodgers are keeping him around is because he has a really cheap contract. But we don't need him. He's not good. His stats are incredibly deceiving. When he was a starter in 2016 in the postseason... He went 0-1 against the Nationals. He only went three innings at a 12 ERA. And then he made two starts against the Cubs, lost both of them. In two starts, he went 7.2 innings combined. He couldn't even get to the fourth, past the fourth in any of his postseason starts. And this guy thinks he's going to be a starter for a whole season? Yeah, right. Maeda has no clutch. You might think he does, but it's usually the bad teams that he's ganging up on. I want to see him get dealt around the trade deadline this year. Hopefully a team can buy high on him because I'm done with Maeda. He's got to go. We don't need him as a reliever. We got better guys. Dump him. So anyways, today's start... Coming up in a few hours, 
John Lester is taking the mound for the Cubs. Coming off the injured list. And he's actually doing all right on the season. He's 1-0. He's got a 2.57 ERA. He's expected to be limited to 75 to 80 pitches. We'll see how that holds up. And Ross Stripling will take the mound for the Dodgers. Off to a good start as well. So the Dodgers finally released their lineup today. It's got Kike Hernandez leading off at second. Then Turner, Freeze, Bellinger batting cleanup. So it looks like Roberts listened to us. Pollock after him batting fifth. And then, hey, Alex Verdugo in left field. And then Chris Taylor back this time in shortstop. We'll see how that pans out. Looks like Corey Seager getting the day off. I think he deserves it. Got a three-game series coming up. And then Rocky Gale, who is going to be that player that no one remembers in three years, catching today with Stripling batting ninth. I could go into Rocky Gale on why he sucks. But you just got to watch one game and you'll know he sucks. It's, it's that simple. Russell Martin is supposed to come back soon. Maybe this weekend. Which might be a good time because Austin Barnes is really slumping. I think he's batting under 200 now. Not good. So hopefully the Dodgers can win this game. Lester... Has a pretty good track record. I think he's got something like 53 career innings against the Dodgers. Got a 3-3 ERA. And then, of course, the postseason, he's had some success. But it's a new game. Lester's getting older. Got to think the Dodgers are going to be motivated to win this game and not get swept. After that, the... Dodgers fly home to Los Angeles. They got a three-game series starting Friday with the Pirates. Chris Archer taking the mound. Going to take on Hunjin Ryu. Ryu is 2-1 on the season. He's got a 3.1 ERA, while Archer is 1-1 with a 2.74 ERA. So that's a pretty good pitcher's matchup right there. And then Saturday, Joe Musgrove. Taking on Clayton Kershaw. Right now, Musgrove is 1-1 one one with a 1.59 ERA. And I watched his last start against the Diamondbacks to get a little scouting report on Musgrove. Very accurate pitcher. He's really good at locating where he wants to throw the ball. Doesn't throw too hard. Gets around 93 at tops. And then, how about Clayton Kershaw, guys? ERA. Should be 2-0. He's not. But at least Kershaw is looking like the ace that we all know and love. Finally, the Sunday game. Rich Hill versus... I'm thinking it might be Jamison Tyon, so that'll be interesting, but I'm not not 100% certain on that. There's no really there's no Pittsburgh Pirates that I'm really too concerned about on the offensive standpoint. I think some guys to keep your eye out on though are 
Josh Bell, their first baseman, he's got some pop. Starling Marte is a very fast guy if he gets on base. Former PED user. Then they got this new young shortstop, Tucker. He might be a little fun to watch. We'll see how that turns out. Hopefully the Dodgers can take care of business against the Pirates. They went 5-1 and one last year against them. And then after that, they're going to go to San Francisco for three. And then they go to San Diego for three. It'll be fun to see the Dodgers take on the Padres. Who would have thought games against the Padres were actually going to matter this season? And then earlier this week, they beat the Brewers... In the last game of the series, 6-5, to five, Cody Bellinger hit the go-ahead home run off Josh Hader, putting Hader 0-2 on the season. And then, of course, Kenley Jansen, it was a Kershaw start, blew a three-run lead for the Dodgers, trying to convert a four-out save. Uh, just a common theme of if Jansen has to go more than three outs, he typically blows it. I don't know when the Dodgers are going to learn, but hopefully one day they do. And then that one loss they had against the Brewers, it was just terrible. They lost 5 nothing. Christian Yelich ended up having four home runs that series. He had two in that one 5 nothing game. It was... Not fun. They did rob Yelich of a home run, though. That was really cool. Cody Bellinger robbing Yelich and then following up with his own home run. Right now, Pedro Baez with runners on base. Not doing too good. He's got a left on base percentage of 31.8. So when he's coming in, He's allowing a lot of inherited runners to score. Kenley Jansen not doing good either. The inherited runners right now. 55.6. But Dylan Floro. 100%. Keeping it 100. And then we go around the league right now. The St. Louis Cardinals are first in that division. They swept the Brewers. In St. Louis. They held Gellage hitless. He went 0 for 7. The Mets off to a good start in the East. They're actually in first. Philly's not too far behind. Tampa Bay, Seattle, Houston all doing really good in the American League right now. Tampa Bay has just got a really good team. I expected them to be good, but they're off to a hotter start than I expected. They got a solid squad. Kevin Cash, great manager for Tampa Bay. Some people are against the whole opener strategy. I, for one, think it's brilliant. Why not bring in a reliever just to get the top of the order out? It's a good strategy. I thought of this before. It even happened a few years ago. I like the idea. Is it good for a fantasy standpoint? Not really. From a game's perspective, it's brilliant. I Think of it this way. 
you start the game off with a good reliever, and their goal is just to get Ben and Tandy, Betts, Bogarts, and JD Martinez out. Why wouldn't you want that? Then you bring in a starter, they go four or five innings. They face those top guys hopefully once, maybe twice. It's just a smart strategy. And then anyways, the Baltimore Orioles, I think it was for the second time, wore Braille jerseys. Yeah, Braille. I'm all about inclusion. I like seeing jerseys in different languages, whether it's Spanish or French, you know, whatever it's got to be. Major League Baseball is not just an American sport anymore. It's a global sport, international. There's not just players in from the U.S. in this league. We got Cuba, Dominican Republic. We got Europeans. We got all of it. Mexico. So, so to include everybody, it's, it's great for the game. And now we're including blind people. I don't even know if blind people know there's Braille jerseys because how can they even see it? But if it's going to get them to go to games, I'm all for it. Include the blind people. Braille jerseys. Don't know what they'll think of next, but you go, Baltimore. Your team's not very good, so if this is what brings in fans, you do what you got to do. Thank you for thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Incline. Let's hope the Dodgers take down the Cubs today. Wishing you all a great weekend. I'm Kevin Klein. Follow me on Twitter at Klein25. Have a good day. Peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.